Are you passionate about nutrition and looking for a way to start sharing your knowledge with others through a respected credentialed education program? Then check out the Nutrition Therapy Association, NTA, at nutritionaltherapy.com. The NTA trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and consultants by emphasizing the bio-individuality and the wide range of dietary strategies that support overall wellness. The NTA encourages local, whole, properly prepared, nutrient-dense foods as the key to restoring balance and enhancing the body's ability to heal. You can become a Nutritional Therapy Practitioner, NTP, in just nine months of 15 to 20 hours a week commitment, and it includes three multi-day hands-on workshops with live info sessions twice monthly. Registration is currently live through February the 6th, 2017, and financial aid is available as well. Learn more by calling the NTA toll-free at 800-918-9798 and sign up now for the 10th annual NTA conference coming to Vancouver, Washington on March the 3rd through the 5th, 2017. Learn more about becoming an NTP at nutritionaltherapy.com. Are you looking for an online store that would have all your ketogenic products in one place? Then let me introduce you to OneStopKeto.com. Once you get there, you'll see personally selected products by me, and they do have the largest selection of keto-friendly products. There are no membership fees, and you'll get free shipping on all orders over $99. Use the coupon code KETOTALK for an additional special discount for listeners of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. They ship to the U.S. and Canada, and they have five-star amazing customer service. If you have any questions and looking for specific products, they are there for you. So head on over to OneStopKeto.com. The information and opinions provided here are for educational purposes only and are not intended to provide individual medical advice. Material conversations and statements found herein are not intended as and does not substitute for a personalized doctor-patient relationship. You are listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and Surprise Arizona family physician Dr. Adam Nally. They are here answering the most pressing questions about a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet. Visit our website, ketotalk.com. And now, it's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Here's Jimmy and Adam. Hey, hey, guys, we're back here on episode 55 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website. It's ketotalk.com. And we're here each and every Thursday answering all your questions about low carb, moderate protein, high fat, ketogenic diets. And I hope you listened in last week uh, because me and the Doc had a great time answering all your questions about cholesterol. What's up, Adam? Are you are you here today? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Jimmy, and hello, all you Ketonians out there. I hope you're having a wonderful Thursday. And you're here today in in mind, body, and spirit? (laughs) Almost. Almost. Almost, Barely. Almost, barely, yes. I was going to say, had a wonderful morning of, of excitement, yes. Oh, never a dull moment, I'm sure, in, uh, in, in the doctor's office, so as I hear my wife's, uh, phone going off in the background playing Star Trek theme songs. I was like, what was that? (laughs) 
the Enterprise is docking your house. I know, right? I was like, um, Captain Kirk, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, before we get started with the show, I had several people send me this uh, article that was written by one of our mutual friends, Maria Emmerich. Uh, The name of the article, Lipolysis and Why You Can Gain Weight Eating Too Much Fat. And so uh, Tracy had a a, a great kind of wrap up of people's concerns about this. Uh, Hello, my Ketonian mentors. Thank you for what you do. This podcast has been invaluable as my husband and I started keto this new year. We're doing well, losing weight in inches and feeling good. No keto flu or cravings. And we've even formed a good group of Ketonians here in Okinawa for support and ideas. So a friend just posted that article from Maria Emmerich, and I'm really struggling between what Maria says and what you guys have been saying about how much fat to consume on a ketogenic diet. We don't do bulletproof coffee or fat bombs at all. Instead, we try to stick to real food, but now we're confused about what's right regarding fat consumption. We aim to lose weight and burn fat, but you say eat fat, and Maria says to moderate it. So what's the right answer? I appreciate your contribution to health and just wish I could get everyone I care about on board. Arigato from Okinawa, Tracy, I knew you would like that uh, the, the saying from Okinawa. That's because you were there for a little while, right? Oh, I lived in Okinawa for two years. So, yeah, konbanwa, arigatozamashita <laughs> for the question. That's awesome. Yes. So she um, says, is it high fat or moderate fat for weight loss on a ketogenic diet? And, and one thing you and I have been very clear about and sometimes people hear high fat and they think gorge yourself on fat. And that's not at all what we're saying here. When we say high fat, we mean fat to satiety uh, in conjunction with moderating the protein and eating less carbohydrate, which is kind of the basis of what I wrote about in Keto Clarity and what we've been talking about here. So what do you think about this article? Did you get a chance to read Maria's article? I actually did. I saw a post and I went, what? Maria? Maria's brilliant. She's actually very intelligent. And I've had, I've had a number of opportunities to talk with her. Um, and so I read the article thinking, what is she talking about? Um, and I think she wrote it and I, I haven't had a chance to ask her yet. And I, re- I would really, I really need to just ask her, what was your intention in writing this way? Yeah. She, she actually doesn't say anything about eating too much fat. Right. She actually shows that when you balance a diet correctly, your overall caloric intake actually goes down. And I think, I suspect it was a roundabout way of saying exactly what you just said. Yeah. Now, and, and anytime people, I talk to people or, or I've had people email me too saying, you can't tell people to eat unlimited fat because they're just going to gorge themselves. And there's this whole group of people that can't control their, you know, their, their, their urges. And, and I, and I, the, my first question to them, or my first statement is, Give people more credit than they have. Yeah. You know, pe- pe- people people want to do the right thing, and there are those that have diseases. But those those people are usually seeing their physician, and they're they're working with those um, those binging issues and those kind of things. So so other than those people there. Um, most people, when they are eating, when they learn to eat, will eat to satiety. And if and the the argument of too much fat, I still. Um, you know, the, the the caloric hypothesis still rears its ugly head among the ketogenic experts, and it, and it probably always will. And that's that's but, what this is reared in. You think uh, is the caloric yes, hypothesis? It, it really is. Now, in Maria's article, she does a nice job, um, and she quotes um, uh, a, a couple um, uh, people's. Um, 
studies and, and puts up some graphics that talk about one specific hormone and imply that it's that hormone that allows um, you to eat, overeat fat and cause weight gain. And that's actually not really true. Um, and there's a statement that was made in there, and I don't know if it came from Maria or if she was quoting um, Iver, who actually Iver wrote Cummins, the graphic. Yeah. Iver Cummins, who wrote the graphic. The um, fat and, yeah, the fat emperor. And, and it says, and, and I quoted it, said, cells can't hold any more fat. And because they become full, you can actually take on too much fat. Now, I don't know where that comes from. I've never seen a, an article showing that a fat cell gets to a set point and fills to a certain point and then it stops. What we do know is that... Um, that that uh, we don't understand what makes fat cells sick. We know that as fat cells get bigger and bigger, they become sick. And and it, and when they become sick, I've never seen anything anywhere that says the fat cell fills to a certain point then stops. That's not in the literature that I've been able to see. Yeah. Um, and what the graphic doesn't reflect is it doesn't reflect the changes that occur to leptin, adiponectin, plasminogen activator inhibitor, which is called PAI1, resistant tumor necrosis factor alpha interleukin 6 and estradiol all of which are hormones produced by a fat cell and when the fat cell gets bigger it gets sicker all of those hormones change in their function so with my argument is when i first started doing low carb and i and i decided to just truly disprove to prove this case i literally ate a pound of sausage and three eggs cooked in butter every day every morning for breakfast um for literally six months and when i added up my diet journal numbers i was eating anywhere between three thousand and six thousand calories a day and i still lost weight and so the 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 my argument is and i have multiple patients that have done the same thing my argument is can you really eat too much fat and not lose weight right. and and in that six-month window, that wasn't the case. Now, there came a point at that six-month mark after I lost about 65 pounds that my weight loss plateaued with a, with a waist circumference of about 36, and I couldn't get past the 36. And what I realized was it, uh, was it wasn't the fat because when I decreased eating fat, I actually saw my waist get bigger. What, what it was was the protein. So as I backed my protein content down, let, leaving the fat very high till I was full, the weight started coming off and my waist shrank down to a 34. So the, so, and, and what that tells me from my little experiment myself and what I've seen over the last 10 years is that it's not the fat. It's actually the, it's the hormones modulated by either excess protein or excess carbohydrate. Uh, and the sick fat cells, as it gets better, starts to produce hormones like leptin, adiponectin, and, and PII1, and all these other hormones more efficiently and effectively. And we see a healing process that occurs over 18 to 24 months. So the answer is, um, the argument about calories is still going to exist because yeah. we've been, it's been beat into our heads for 50 years. And even the, the obesity experts out there still have a hard time saying, well, is there still a calorie issue? And I've heard them actually say it. I've had conversations with them about it. Um, that argument is still there. It, when it, when, when push comes to shove, I really, per, my personal opinion is that there will come a point where we recognize that our weight gain and loss is driven specifically by hormones, and those hormones then regulate how our thermogenic, uh, how, how our body handles various caloric types at various times because it changes, and and, and so that's that's one of the things I see. So what I tell people is eat until you feel full. Now the argument again we get is that well people don't know when they're full. How can they know? Give people more credit than they than you give them. 
you have to let people realize that when they eat the right type of food, they will experience a sense of fullness. And this is why I ask them to journal is because the other things that are cueing them to eat, whether it's boredom or stress or, or anxiety or various things like that, yeah. when you journal – you all of a sudden start to recognize, well, I ate not because I was hungry, but I ate because of this reason, or I ate because of that reason. And over a period of three to six to 12 months, you begin to learn those signals and you interpret those signals correctly. But we have to give people the benefit of the doubt and let them learn about their own body. Plus, it's a good marketing to patients to say, you know what? I just don't want you to eat the sugar, starches, or grains. But if you want to have a pound of bacon, go ahead. You know, and it just kind of gets people's minds wrapped around, oh, This isn't a limiting diet, not that you're gorging, not that you're overeating on purpose, but that you're basically retraining your brain to know what satiety is. Now, I think back to 2004, the year that I lost weight, and yeah, you asked that 410-pound man, uh, what's satiety? I'd I'd have been like, uh, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you spell that word? Because there was no such thing. But as you start eating this way, the satiety kicks in pretty naturally without you even thinking about it it does and and this this then lends to the to, to the point that about fasting you know, uh, and the definition of fasting um when you first told me hey adam i'm going to be doing this you know this 36 hour this seven day fast i went what yeah um because it, my definition of fasting from a religious perspective is no food or water for 18 to 24 hours yeah now that's not the definition that, that that's being that's being taught in the book by you and jason and things like that um but if you literally go without food or water for 18 to 24 hours at, at about 16 to 18 hours, the a stress response kicks in and not eating fuel actually stimulates hormones to say, I'm starving. And you actually begin to store everything. Now, if you if you fast based on um, the definition that you and Jason and, and those that fast out there uh, use by giving yourself adequate electrolytes and a small amount of protein and a small amount of fat, yep. you, you those hormone signals for stress and starvation never turn on and, and you actually feel satiated for days and days. And so that's, that was my biggest hurdle when, when, with with the fasting issue was how can you, is it really caloric? You know, are you cutting out calories? And, and, And a lot of people imply, well, I'm just not eating the calories and that's why fasting works. No, you're actually, you're giving yourself adequate hormone stimulus because you're giving yourself a small amount of protein and fat yeah. that allow those hormones to stay on. And then the body says, hey, I'm full. I'm going to burn the fat that I, that I have and I, that I want. And then you, you learn to listen to those signals. And I think the, the combination between ketogenics, low carb, and, and fasting allows a person to learn what, what, what is the signal that I'm really hungry and what signal is it I'm bored and what signal is it I'm feeling stressed and when am I actually starving? Yeah. Now, one last point on this Maria article that I saw it all over Facebook and people are like, see, this is why you're not supposed to eat high fat. The high fat uh, promoters of ketogenic are wrong. And one person noted, oh, well, I don't have to eat high fat in my diet because I have high fat on my body. And I know we've addressed this briefly before, but can you explain why just because you have fat on your body doesn't mean you shouldn't still eat fat in the diet? Yeah, and, and this and, and this is what happens by about more, month number five, four to six for a lot of my patients is they start eating really high fat and they're full all the time. And, and what, what happens is they begin to get into the kind of the groove of how they eat. But what ends up happening is it's easier to have a little too much protein in the diet and not enough fat. <clears throat> and, and so then they, the weight loss halts and they freak out. So then they back the protein down and then they find that they're either hungry or they're starving. And so what's occurring metabolically is not the 
create actual calories. What's happening is you have to remember that when you put food into the gut, the, the actual stretch of the gut, there are six different hormones that actually tell the brain, he's feeding me, so don't store. But if you don't stretch that gut a little bit, those yeah. hormones don't turn on and the brain says, he's starving me and cortisol <laughs> kicks on. And yeah, now you get increased hunger cravings right. and insulin kicks up because cortisol kicked on and now you begin to store and you can't get past certain points. of. So, so the very simple point is if I give you a little more fat and I tell your gut, he's feeding me, the hormones tell the brain, don't store. He keeps feeding me, don't store. And, and that's the whole point is that giving you a little extra fat as long as it's fat and it's not excess protein or excess carbohydrate right. allows the hormones to modulate I'm always full and if I'm always full the body will then cycle the fat appropriately and remember just because you put it in your mouth doesn't mean it's going to be absorbed into the into the body it's going to go into the gut and, and based on those hormone signals the gut will absorb the fat or dump the fat and so again there's hormone signals telling the body pull it through the gut wall into the into the omentum and the in the abdomen or, or there's hormones that say leave it in the gut and let it pass out with the uh, with the bile salts. They're, they're, and it's it's really a hormonal balance. And so a small amount of fuel, fat specifically, in the systems, always telling the body to balance those 27 hormones within the brain and the gut. That hey, he's feeding me or she's feeding me, and and I'm going to be full. So I'm not saying you no. Know, I want you to eat five tubs of butter every day because that's what a lot of people for some reason hear. Yeah. What I'm saying is. Eat enough fat to let your body's signaling system, the hormones, say, I'm full, so that you actually then, uh, you, you decrease the cravings, you decrease the starvation signals, you decrease the cortisol, insulin turns down, and the weight can then cycle nor itself normally. And those really fit big fat cells that are producing fat in a, uh, hormones inappropriately start to heal and start to produce more normal amounts of leptin and adiponectin and um you know, uh, TNF-alpha and uh, interleukin-6 and all these other hormones that come, you know, the 170 hormones that these fat cells produce become more efficient and effective at producing them more normally. And I think a lot of this thinking uh, goes back again, what we talked about earlier, what we've always believed regarding calories. Well, it's the same, what we've always believed regarding fat. People's default when things aren't going well is, oh, well, I must need to back off on the fat. So what we're explaining here today kind of goes against, you know, every fiber of your being about what to do and what's prudent. It really does. And, and you know, when, when we when, when the, the new answer doesn't give you the answer you want, you fall back on the old one, which is exactly what you've said. Yeah. We fall back to, well, maybe the calorie hypothesis and I put air quotes around the Quote hypothesis. Yeah. Um, it's still a hypothesis um, that it, it's not a proven truth that that maybe it's the, it is the calories. Well, if you actually look at, you know, where if you actually look at the caloric content of food, Jimmy burns that caloric content dramatically differently than I do. And 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 whether that that is turned into carbon dioxide or whether it's passed through with bile salts and never is never even absorbed or whether it cycles into the inside the inside the cell or it stays within the plasma or wherever it goes. And we have ways to measure that. And and in the end, you know you the, the 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 argument's always well you have to you know your calories have to balance in the end well, yes they do but most of the, our caloric calculations do not take into fact the shift in fuel partitioning that the 27 hormones of obesity cause and they they completely disregard that and so whether whether you're accounting for calories that came in last week that aren't being 
accounted for or calories that would that that will will disappear you know within two hours of eating it they're 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 not that it doesn't fully take into account every single carbon atom within the whole body and that's the part that, that we miss yet we extrapolate because it's the best we can do yeah well, thank you to everyone who pointed out Maria's column for us to check out again, lipolysis and why you can gain weight eating too much fat. We'll have a link to it in the show notes section at ketotalk.com if you want to read that for yourself. But thank you, Doc, for your input and uh, Arigato from Okinawa, Tracy. Thanks for that uh, great email. That was like a dissertation. It was a great dissertation. That's kind of why I wanted to start the show with that, because I thought, you know, I bet you have some things to say and you did not disappoint. (laughs) (laughs) And and Maria and and, and bless Maria's heart. The article that she actually wrote was is is actually correct. Really good. Better than the headline shows. It really is. Um, but I think we have to understand where she's coming from with that article. And I, and I think I, I think because of the shortness of the article itself, it didn't really do justice to what I think she was attempting to say there. I sense a Doc Muscles extrapolation on this uh, might be coming soon someday. <laughs> <laughs> someday. I would, maybe, like, yeah. I would like to see that. Maybe we'll put it in Keto Cure. That'd be, Ooh, that'd be good. Huh? Yeah. Well, uh, let's get to the show, uh, the main part of the show. That was kind of uh, kicking us off, and it kicked us off, all right, for 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Special thank you to Ronald, Tina, and Susan. Susan said, thanks, Jimmy and Adam. Your time spent has greatly encouraged me. No time to read a book these days, so this podcast fits my busy schedule. Thank you for that, uh, Susan. And thank you, Ronald, Tina, and Susan, for your donation. And you can give us a donation at paypal.me slash keto talk or go to ketotalk.com click on the donate button and that will help keep this show on the air so let's pause here for a sponsor since uh, doc was a little long-winded in the first segment and we'll be right back are you looking for high quality supplements to complement your healthy low carb high fat ketogenic lifestyle well look no more as i've teamed up with ketogenic practitioner and my keto talk podcast co-host dr adam nally to create the keto living line of supplements go to ketoliving.com to see our first two items available for you the keto essentials multivitamin and the berberine plus blood sugar control formula dr nally himself hand selected the key nutrients included in the Keto Essentials multivitamin, including vitamin D, methylated folate for those with the MTHFR gene mutation, vitamin B12, CoQ10, and so much more. And if you are concerned about elevated blood sugar and cholesterol levels, then check out our customized product called Berberine Plus, which combines the anti-inflammatory power of berberine with therapeutic levels of chromium and banaba leaf. And we're just getting started on the Keto Living brand of ketogenic focused supplements in 2017, including the first ever high fat meal replacement powder to help you ditch those problematic protein powders coming soon. Go to ketoliving.com to get your hands on these exciting new supplements to enhance your ketogenic diet. Ketoliving.com. 
They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code JimmyLovesFBomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. JimmyLovesFBomb.com. We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. My name is Jimmy Moore, the international best-selling author of Keto Clarity and the Ketogenic Cookbook, and I'm here with Dr. Adam Nally, straight out of Arizona. It sounds like straight out of Compton, but you straight out of Arizona. Surprise! And Surprise! Uh, does a lot of good work there with his patient population. So we're here to answer your questions. So why don't we get right to that here today, Adam? And uh, this one's from Gareth. Gareth says, hi, Jimmy and the doc. I love your show. I've been a listener from the first episode. I read Wheat Belly in December of 2015, stopped all grains and rice, keeping carbs between 40 and 80 grams daily. I lost 35 pounds in four months and improved my gastric uh, reflux, IBS and other health issues. But then I noticed my energy became completely zapped to the point that I couldn't get out of bed to work out anymore. I had my testosterone tested and it dropped below 200 in July of 2016. My doctor said I have the testosterone of a 95-year-old man. I began testosterone replacement therapy, TRT, with weekly ingest, in, uh, injections and noticed that my energy drive, focus, and capacity to exercise soared. But my weight also increased and now I can't get into ketosis. I have consistently been in ketosis when I've measured in the morning and would stay in the state all day. I get that. I get that my body is recovering from a huge hormonal shock and I need to give it time to adapt. Is difficulty with weight loss and getting into ketosis normal for someone using TRT? Thanks for your help, Gareth. So a pretty interesting question about these uh, hormone replacements, and I'm assuming it would also apply whatever your answer will be to women doing uh, estrogen replacement. But does that inhibit ketosis in any way? You know, in the 10 years, like now 11, that I've been doing ketogenic diets and low-carb diets, I have never seen that. Um, I actually see it help with the ability to get into ketosis. The one little, the one factor that I see in, in, in Garrett's, you know, question that he sent to us was that he's not really getting his carb level down into the 30 to 20 range. It's 40 to 80. Now, what I commonly see is that people that do low carb, and this is what I found with paleo folks and people doing just general low carb is that if they are dramatically insulin resistant, or as we age and we become more insulin resistant and we never take the load off the pan, pancreas to where the pancreas can begin to have that healing effect with insulin resistance, that that high insulin load causes the fatigue. Actually, the high insulin load is driving the testosterone, which is bound to fat into the fat cell, which is less accessible uh, that way. And we see a a secondary type of hypogonadism or a low functioning uh, uh, thyroid because of that. Similarly, estrogen in women as well. And so what ends up happening is that we give testosterone and people feel good, but we never 
allow the insulin resistance to improve. And because the insulin levels are still staying higher than normal, the weight begins to creep back up in light of increased energy. And, and so that, so my, my first worry is that, you know, Gareth in this case, isn't quite getting this, is carbohydrate intake low enough to truly see his pancreas begin the healing process with insulin resistance. Yeah. Well, Gareth, thank you for that question. And uh, yeah, let us know how you're doing. Uh, what we do know about low carb ketogenic diets is they actually can help increase your testosterone. So I was a little bit shocked when he said that it seemed like uh, that the that the ketogenic diet, of course, he was doing more wheat belly, which isn't an explicitly ketogenic diet. Back to your earlier point about his carbs. I wonder if he went low carb and if he had really kicked it in, into high gear and actually did ketogenic, maybe he would have saw a boost in his testosterone. He, he may have. And well, and he, he said he said that he's in ketosis. Now, I don't know how he's measuring, whether that's a, a urine test strip or yeah. whether that's a, you know, a breath monitor, what that is. Um, but but it's interesting that I'll, I will see as a, as people do initial low carb um, when they drop those carbs down, what ends up happening is I'll see them have some initial weight loss, but unless they maintain it low enough, yeah. as they get to a keto adapted state, they'll actually start to fatigue in that one to two month period in some cases if the carb levels aren't low enough. And that testosterone will never come back up because the insulin is still high enough that it's keeping it down. And, and that, that was my first thought was it's it, he should have seen that testosterone go up, but it, because it stayed down means that there's still something driving his insulin stimulus in some capacity. Yeah. One other thing I hear when people say, oh, I'm in ketosis, they're just assuming because they're keeping their carbs low that they're in ketosis. And that's not that's not a good way to do it. <laughs> you can't assume that. Yeah, you can't make that assumption just because you feel like you're not eating carbs doesn't mean you're in ketosis. Gareth, don't you listen to this show? You know, Jimmy Moore is going to ask you what your blood ketone levels are. <laughs> That's the first question Jimmy's going to ask you. Right you out of my mouth. That. I'm going to say, okay, you're in ketosis. What's your blood ketone level? And uh, if you kind of go, then I'm going to go, okay, go test. And let's see. Because you thought that, Doc, you thought way back in the day you were in ketosis and you weren't. And so that's well, that, kind of that was that was your first question to me six or seven years ago. Yes. And, I, and I said, hey, I do this. I've been doing this for five years. And you said, well, are you in ketosis? I said, well, of course I am. And then we tested and I wasn't. <laughs> um, and, and I went, oh. <gasps> What? Oops. You know, and I was supposed to be an expert at that point in time and, you know, in, in that. And it's like, well, I'm not in ketosis. What? You know, and you have to test. You got to test. Test, test and test some more. Well, thank you for that question, Gareth. And we're going to move to the study portion of the show. Uh, we missed doing this last week because we had so many questions on cholesterol last week. But this is a part of the show a lot of people like. So this one's uh, the headline says low carb diets should be reinstated as pillars of diabetes control suggests new study. Yeah, no kidding. A new literature review suggests that current dietary guidelines on how to handle diabetes are not optimal and should be revised in a recent editorial published in the online journal Diet, Nutrition, and Mental Health and Well-Being, two members of this not-for-profit organization called Nutrition Society have assessed 
the strength of evidence in favor of low-carbohydrate diets for diabetes control. They collected data from seven randomized control clinical trials and intervention studies conducted between 2001 and 2015, and all of them have appeared in peer-reviewed journals and tested low-carb against high-carb, low-fat diets for managing diabetes. So these researchers went on to look at all the changes that happen when you go on a low-carb diet, uh, Adam, and it's all the things I'm sure you see in your patient populations. A1C levels go down, weight goes down. There's improvements in the lipoproteins that are favorable. The blood sugar uh, uh, variability and the adjustments in the medications that happen from lowering a blood sugar and ostensibly of insulin levels all get better. And so I love it that now we have, you know, in this journal, uh, an argument being made that, hey, maybe we should give this low carb thing a better chance uh, to be to be, I guess, taught alongside as an option, because I think a lot of diabetics, uh, they basically trust their doctors, eat my low fat diet, high carb diet, cover it up with insulin, any effects from the from the carbs. Why don't we just cut the carbs and they get better? Oh, exactly. And I, what I was really excited by was was they definitively um, uh saw endpoints and, and, and average uh, drops in numbers that I've been seeing for 10 years and they quantified them. They, they you know, just a couple of the points that I thought were so good. If you just cut your carbs to 30 grams a day, you'll see up to a 2.2% drop in your A1C. Just from the carbs, just, right? Just from the carbs. And that's what I see every day, every day. And they quantified it at 30 grams. What if you drop it to 20 or 10? How much yeah. food does it go? You know, and then they said, if you keep your carbs under 120 grams a day, you'll see almost a full percent point drop in your a1c that's huge yes. I mean, that, that that means you're still having four pieces of bread a day that that that's that's that and i still see that i see that with people that come to me saying doc you know i've just i've cut the simple sugars out and i i limit my bread and they'll see a full point drop in their a1c um you know am, amazingly what i was really excited to see was they they showed that um there was twice the weight loss with a low carb versus a low fat diet yeah. and that they actually showed reduction in risk for heart disease by increased HDL and decreased triglycerides dramatically. Um, Which is a sign this. of a low carb diet. It truly is. It truly is. Yeah. So they were able to quantify through these through through a comp compilation of these studies. What I've been seeing, and many of us as, as uh, low-carb and ketogenic docs have been seeing for over 10, 15 years. The thing that got me was, uh, again, kind of going to that just minimal changes making big, uh, big results. Their low-carb diet, you guys, 58% fat, 14% carbs. Now, what's that, 60, 72, so 28% protein diet, and they still got all those effects. You know, how much better would it be if they truly went ketogenic uh, with the diet? Yeah. Oh, dramatically. So, but, but it's exciting to see that. It, and unfortunately, this was an editorial. It wasn't, right. it wasn't, but, but still it's, it's, but it's they looked published. at good studies. It wasn't they crap studies, studies that they were just regurgitating like some of these other reviewers do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to see that it started, the, the, the literature starting to build. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, we'll have a link to that story uh, that was in the diabetes.co.uk as well as the original study, Should a Low-Carbohydrate Diet Be Recommended for Diabetes Management? It was that editorial. So uh, go check that out in the show notes at ketotalk.com. But let's get right into the first featured question of the day, and this one's from Jan. 
Hi, Jimmy. My niece started low-carb keto and very easily switched from sugar burner to fat burner. At first, she had no side effects, reacted very positive on this new lifestyle change. But then she noticed that her lymph nodes started swelling, especially in her neck. When I checked Dr. Google, I found something about the release of dead yeast cells, candida, or even part of the keto flu. What can I do to help her with this? I told her to speak with her doctor about this, but I'm sure he'll just tell her to stop her ketogenic diet. Thank you for spreading the word. I love your show. Greetings from the Netherlands, Jan. So Jan wants to know, is there something about ketosis that can cause lymph nodes to swell? In the... 10 or 11 years I've been doing this, I have never seen that. Um, so I, I can't, without looking at her actual lymph nodes, I can't really answer that question. Um, but what I can say is anytime you have lymph nodes that are swelling, that implies something more significant and needs to get checked out by her doctor. So um, lymph nodes uh, are basically areas where the white blood cells uh, act as, as your body's immune defense. And if they swell up, that means there's some form of infection or inflammation, uh, going on. inflammation or even worse, potential for lymphoma or cancer that needs to be evaluated. So um, that's that's a, that's a big red flag that says go see your doctor right away. Don't 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 pass go and collect two hundred dollars first. That's imp- <laughs> that's important yeah. that you uh, you get that one checked out. But that I have never seen that related to a ketogenic diet. Is it related to anything nutritionally? Not that I have seen. Good no, matter ugly. I mean, I mean Twinkies yeah, and I mean, Ding Dongs don't do that. No. Well, you know, uh, I guess indirectly with the increase in inflammation that might spread to I mean, there's any number of ways, I suppose. I mean, if you if you were eating a bunch of um, infected food or food that was old and had lots of mold, I could see the lymph nodes in your neck starting to swell a bit because of that. But the, the question it really poses something's turning on the inf- the immune system yeah. in an abnormal way. And that needs to be evaluated by her doctor. Yeah. Well, Jan, thank you for that question. And yeah, it's always funny uh, when people go keto and then something happens in their health. Oh, it's the keto that did it. And I'm going, um, it just could be a happy coincidence or in this case, an unhappy coincidence that these things kind of manifest themselves when you go keto. You know, it's kind of funny because I ask people, people ask me this and I, and I say, well, you know, when was the last time you bought a new car? And I said, well, I bought a new car just two weeks before I went keto. Well, maybe it's your new car. That's, that's the reason that to you. <laughs> it's your new car. You know, and then it's like, no, it can't be my car. Well, how, how do you know it can be keto? You know, it, that's that's the it's kind of like saying, yeah, my new car caused my shirt to turn from green to yellow. Yes. So it's <laughs> I wrote it's, a blog post way back in like 2006 or seven. Uh, my ear hurts. It must be my low carb diet. Because I was getting Uh-oh. so many people writing to me with this kind of thing where I went low carb and and then this happened. So thus, it must have been that, you know, we could say Donald Trump became president. So that's why it happened. You know, any number of things that <sighs> correlation does not mean causation. So, yeah. <laughs> that needs to be that needs to be a quote that we plaster across every. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Billboards all over America. Well, let's move on to the second featured question of the day, and it comes from Camille. Hi, Jimmy and Doc Nally. I love your podcast, and thank you for sharing your knowledge. Here's my question for you guys. I'm having trouble keeping my carbs to a level that is not too high and not too low, and when I cut my carbs to get into ketosis,
ketosis, I tend to eat virtually zero, but doing that makes me start feeling horrible with, with headaches, so I then add back in some carbs and it goes away. I'm trying to eat no more than 10 grams of carbs per meal as a goal, so how can I determine what my, and I love this phrase, Goldilocks zone of carbohydrate intake is? Keep it up and thanks for answering my question, Camille. So Camille has a great question. What can I do to determine the ideal level of carbohydrates I should be eating on my ketogenic diet? And Camille, we actually addressed this in Keto Clarity pretty explicitly that you've got to figure out what that carb tolerance is. And it sounds like zero gives you some detrimental effects. Although I would say, Adam, if she's starting to get headaches, that sounds like electrolyte imbalance, maybe add in more salt and you can maybe get that worked out. There's definitely no harm in going zero carb. It's probably unnecessary for most people, but find uh, what your carb tolerance is by looking at what your blood glucose is. So eat some carbs and see how you do. And if it goes wacky at 40 grams of carbs, back it down to 30 and then test it again. And then until you find that sweet spot. Well, it also sounds like two things uh, that I, that I commonly see is number one, Camille's not keto adapted yet. Right. Um, And so she's experiencing the first few signs of the keto flu when she hits it. Number one. And then number two, uh, Camille is carb addicted. Um, remember that fructose, which is 50% of a sugar molecule, is metabolized 100% in the liver, and it produces an aldehyde that stimulates the same receptor site that morphine does in the brain, causing you to really like the fructose. And it causes really that hedonic. Like yeah, and so <laughs> she's experiencing withdrawal of that aldehyde from the brain, and it's, it's, and it's an addiction. And I've had patients literally um, go through shakes and tremors and headaches and um, nausea and, and feel like they were withdrawing from Vicodin or from hydrocodone for two or three days when they come off those carbs because they are so heavily carb addicted. Um, so you know, it, I, I suspect, because she says that she's really not getting her carbs below 30 per day, and I would assume that she may be more insulin resistant than she thinks she is, and that she's got to get through that that headache window by adding electrolytes, eating enough fat, and and moving through that carb adaption uh, period or that keto adaption period. Yeah, tremors, headaches, and shakes. Oh my. <laughs> That's Goldilocks for you. There you go. There you go. Well, we don't want any more big bad wolves in your life, Camille. So uh, definitely huff and puff and don't blow your house down. You like how I just mixed the the different uh, children's tales together? (laughs) That was like fairy tale soup. I know, right? We should call it Shrek or something. There there we go. Well, Camille, thank you for that question. And we're going to pause here one more time for a sponsor. We'll be right back. Do you find it challenging to get organ meats into your healthy ketogenic lifestyle? Don't you wish you could get all the benefits of consuming these traditional superfoods chock full of nutrients without having to cook or eat them? Well, let me introduce you to the brand new grass-fed organ complex supplement from Paleo Valley, makers of the deliciously juicy grass-fed beef sticks. They use gently freeze-dried ingredients, including all grass-fed, grass-finished beef liver, heart, brain, and kidney to give you a flavorless, power-packed punch of nutrition you won't be able to replicate beyond eating all of these organ meats in your diet. Each bottle contains a 30-day supply of easy-to-swallow pills with no fillers or flow agents added. They're gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and non-GMO. 
Go to paleovalley.com slash LLVLC and use the coupon code LLVLC to get a generous 20% off your order. Try it today to get a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee and see how you like the grass-fed organ complex for yourself. That's paleovalley.com slash LLVLC. Are you an athlete who eats a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet? Then let me introduce you to GoKetoAthlete.com. It's your one-stop source to find books, articles, movies, podcasts, and a member's blog all about maximizing your athletic performance using the keto lifestyle. GoKetoAthlete.com is set to become the world's largest directory of resources and expert knowledge on all things keto for that weekend warrior and elite competitor alike. They do this by cataloging the unique and collective experiences of its members all in one place. Start your free trial today and become a member of this rapidly growing community of like-minded athletes. Get yours at GoKetoAthlete.com and be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to receive a complimentary 60-day membership to try it out for yourself. GoKetoAthlete.com We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc, and we're up to the third featured question of today's show. This one's from May Lynn. I think May Lynn's actually written to us before, but because I like that name, it's really pretty. But hi, Jimmy and Doc Nally. Thanks for doing such a fun and informative podcast. I've listened to all of them, sometimes twice if I need a refresher later. I've been keto for the past few months, both for weight loss and health. I've been happy with the results so far with about a pound a week weight loss, less fatigue, more energy and more wakefulness to take on the day. My Ketonics Breath Ketone device shows I'm in ketosis pretty much constantly and I'm using this device to see how various foods and carb amounts impact my fat burning. But now I have a question for you regarding the effect of dehydration on ketone production. My six-year-old caught me blowing into my ketonics the other day. She wanted to blow into it too. And despite eating a very carb-heavy diet, she showed moderate levels of ketosis. So it got me thinking, why would this happen? Is she dehydrated? And for those of us purposely trying to get into ketosis, could drinking less water than normal fuel more ketone production and show false readings. Any input would be great. Thanks for reading my email. Sincerely, Maylin. So Maylin has an interesting question. I'm not sure where she's coming up with this dehydration hypothesis, but she says, can dehydration give you a false boost in your ketone production? Now, Maylin, I've seen this uh, argument being made for urine ketones, because if you're dehydrated, you're almost always going to pee purple on the on the urine but have you seen this uh, using the ketonics atom uh, where people show a false reading because they're dehydrated in the in the breath ketone um no and so and this is this this is uh, two things i am excited to see that, that our, our ketonians are are thinking, thinking. scientifically yes. that's really cool and and so they're actually coming up with hypotheses and asking really good questions and and this is great uh, it's, it's exciting to see what what's important to understand in regards to child weight loss and this is a whole other entity yeah. um a lot of uh, obesity docs are don't deal with children and they deal with adults as a family doc i deal with children and one of the exciting things about children and one of the easy things with children is you can very, very easily get them into ketosis with two things. You back their carbs off just slightly and you get them active, physically active. Yes. Children's metabolisms run literally 
twice as fast as adults do. And so if you have a child that ate a smaller amount of carbohydrate and exercised or ran around outside and jumped on the trampoline or whatever it may be, they come in, they're going to be in ketosis a lot. So with kids, we don't cut their carbs way back. We just back off the carbs a little bit and let them grow into their weight because their metabolism... We don't have to. They're in and out of ketosis all day long, and they do really, really well because of that. Um, and, and that's what I actually do see when we check kids with the breath monitors. Dehydration will actually do the opposite. It'll kick you out of ketosis because dehydration is a stress response. Mm. Now, the difference between being dehydrated physically and just having hyperconcentrated urine is that if you're not drinking enough water, your body's going to conserve the water and your urine is going to be more concentrated. And you may see ketones with that. Yeah. Um, but if you're truly dehydrated, the body is in a stress response. You're going to see cortisol. You're going to see gluconeogenesis. You're going to actually come out of ketosis with dehydration. Because so of the rise great, in the blood sugar, which exactly. would then raise your insulin. Yep. And because you're, yeah. And, and so it's a good question and it's a good thought process. It's just important to understand what dehydration is actually doing hormonally again. Again, those hormones come to play everything. It's amazing um, how it keeps coming amazing. around to the hormones. It's the hormones. You know what yeah. we need? We need a shirt that says, it's all about the hormone, stupid. <laughs> kind of like you remember the bill clinton uh, back in the early 90s it's it's the economy stupid and so it's all about yeah, the hormones stupid about the hormones good <laughs> questions but it's all about the hormones yep. or we could do a parody song of it's all about that bass it's all about them hormones about them hormones okay i'm not singing that <laughs> Maylin, thank you for that question and thank you for your thinking cap. Yeah, that was really, really good to uh, to come up with that hypothesis. But hopefully the doc's answer gives you some peace of mind uh, about what happened with your kid and why uh, they uh, showed a a moderate level of ketosis. I always suspected that about children, that they probably are fat burners pretty naturally. But I had not heard about the revving up of their metabolism to a level of at least twice of adults so that but that makes sense oh it's amazing i'll have kids come in that are in you know early grade school or even high school that are overweight and and i'll and i'll i'll cut their carbs to 120 grams a day and they start losing weight and if you check them they'll be in and out of ketosis because their metabolisms are running so fast i mean they're growing and growth hormone and the 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 replication of cells at twice the speed of, of of humans is is huge and so they're they're using tremendous amounts of food and fuel and if you just slightly back the insulin load off of those kids yeah. and you shift them, they'll go into ketosis, they'll burn fat, they'll maintain their testosterone levels, they'll still keep growing. Um, it's really cool. Kids are these amazing bodies as they go through that growth phase. Um, and, and and we have to treat them a little differently uh, when it comes to treatment of obesity because of that really fast metabolism. Which is why most parents, if you just stuck to real food and didn't feed them the goldfish and the Doritos and the Twinkies and all that other stuff that gets put out there as quote unquote food for kids, um, their grades would improve. A lot of things improve. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting to to know that. And that's why a lot of guys, you know, they say, well, you know, I started gaining weight when I got married, so it must be my wife's fault. Yeah. Well, most, most guys probably got married sometime around 22 to 25, maybe a little later. Yeah. And that's when their metabolism is finally slowed down. Yes. And, and so they, they, they blame it on their wife. So it's the um, keto diet, blaming the keto diet for everything. Uh, we're blaming our wives for everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't blame my wonderful, beautiful, lovely wife, Christine. She's the best in the world. Have I sucked it up enough? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and doc will tell you she was a little mad at me before we came on the air so <laughs> a little sucking up doesn't hurt so 
Well, we are up to the Keto Talk mailbox portion of the show. And this question comes from Katie. Hi, Jim, uh, Jimmy and Doc Nally. I suffer from chronic insomnia. I wake earlier than I want or wake several times a night. Sometimes I fall asleep right away. Sometimes I don't. When I get up for the day, I generally feel less tired than I was when I went to bed, even when I get... Uh, more than six to six and a half hours of sleep. I think seven and a half is my sweet spot. How does the lack of sufficient sleep impact your ketone levels? My guess is insomnia decreases ketones due to increased amounts of cortisol, which raises blood sugar and insulin levels, plus the stress of feeling tired all the time may lead to questionable nutritional choices. Boy, that's true. Thanks for your help with this. I really love and look forward to every new episode of Keto Talk. Keep up the good work, Katie. So Katie's question boils down to this. How does lack of sufficient sleep impact your ketone levels? Now, I will tell you a little bit from my N equals one experiment from 2012, 2013, I noticed when I went full on keto, Adam, it was a couple months in, I started noticing I would sleep less. And so I assumed because I was sleeping less and getting up a little earlier, oh, well, I must be having a cortisol response and my ketones must be going to to pot. Well, I actually tested like when I would get up at 430 in the morning uh, where I used to would get up at six or seven, I would get up at 430. I would actually test my ketones right away. And to my shock, they're higher when I get up earlier and not lower. And so uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting hypothesis that Katie has given us because it makes sense. You would think, oh, if you're not sleeping that full amount that your ketones go down. But do you have a reason why they would go up? Oh, yeah. Well, and Katie's been listening to our, our, our conversations, so you can you can tell. Yes. So there's really two, two components here. Um, Katie answered her own question exactly correctly. There, there, and what you have to realize is that there are those that have true insomnia. And if you have true insomnia, for whatever reason that insomnia is there, um, and you're not getting restful sleep, right. that stress response will do exactly what Katie said. Cortisol goes up, gluconeogenesis kicks on, insulin rises, and it pushes you out of ketosis to some degree. It may throw you all the way out, or it may just lower the ketones. Now, in your case, Jimmy, as you described, you were in getting into ketosis, you were sleeping less. What ends up happening is if you're in ketosis, commonly your brain recovery, um, the time it takes for your brain to recover with sleep actually shortens because you you have less inflammation, you recover more quickly and you need less sleep. And so if you're getting an adequate amount of sleep in ketosis, you'll sleep less, but still be in a great level of ketosis when you wake up an hour earlier because you feel great. In, in Katie's situation where she can't turn her brain off, she can't fall asleep, she's not she's not feeling rested, um, it can throw you out of ketosis. And so uh, it, it's not the actual ketone that's the issue or the ketosis issue. It's it's what's the factor with, did you eat something beforehand that's, that's keeping you out? Is there a bladder issue that's keeping you awake? Is there, um, do you have anxiety that's not letting you turn your brain off at night? I have many patients that come to me saying, doc, I just can't turn my brain off. That's a form of anxiety. That's, yeah. a, that's a form of, of a serotonin deficiency and we want to fix that. And so those are all factors. So you, I see both. I, I truly see both. So we need to uh, have a little chant for people that have that anxiety at night. Oh, or, or in this case, bacon, bacon, bacon. bacon. <laughs> Actually, that you might make to, you hungry. Don't do that. That might. Yeah, that might. You could count bacon jumping the fence. That's cool. Yes. Or bacon jumping into my mouth. Yeah, there we go. 
There you go. That yeah, and and you know you know um, I I was I was reading a, 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 you know Tim Ferriss in his a couple of his books talks about some some um, stress exercises. When I was going through a speed reading class in high school, um, the teacher, interesting enough, was was fascinated with sleep and how it affected reading. And so he would actually walk us through these um, these relaxation exercises where you tighten your hand and then you relax and then you tighten your forearm and relax it and you do this repetitive tightening and relaxing of different extremities as you yeah. work from your head all the way down to your feet. And amazingly, what this does is it, it, it over a period of time, it trains your body to learn to relax yes. and shut the brain down. And so, you know, people with insomnia, I know some people don't get benefit from that, but, but many people, as they learn to relax and you go to bed at the same time, you get up at the same time, get your body into that biorhythmic cycle, that does lower stress and allows you to sleep more effectively and allows that ketosis to be more efficient. You know what I've been doing lately, because uh, I've noticed that I get a little bit tense in in my muscles. I have one of these like hand wand massagers and I literally massage my whole body about an hour before bed. And then uh, I'll sometimes, you know, just do that. And I sleep like a baby. It's it's truly amazing. It is. If you can, if you can do some form of relaxation exercises, and I actually find myself, you know, since I started doing this in, in high school, I'll lay down and my wife gets so ticked off that I fall right to sleep. Yes. Well, I thought, why is it that this happens? Well, when I lay down, I do, I actually go through this whole process of relaxation innately and I don't even think about it. It just happens. I just do it and I fall right asleep. And it, it always made my wife so upset. She goes, you're asleep. And I'm laying there for you know 30 <laughs> minutes going, you're asleep already. It's ticking me off. And so, but, but it, it's, it's really a training issue. And so if you learn, if you find some method that helps you relax, whether that be those cool massagers or deep or, breathing, uh, deep breathing or whatever, it may be, <sighs> counting bacon, jumping into Jimmy's mouth, whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> it One works. pig, two pigs, three pigs. Ah, <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, Christine uh, goes to sleep hours after me. I mean, I'll go to bed sometimes as early as like eight thirty, nine o'clock when I've had a, a busy day of podcasting and I just need to crash. Uh, my body will tell me pretty quickly, uh, sometimes as late as 10, but she'll go to bed at like one or two. And so I'm like out and then like yeah and then she's still dealing with some of the the post hysterectomy uh, hot flashes and stuff like that so it's not very fun for her so but and then i'm up like super duper early and then she sleeps to like 10 o'clock so it's kind of interesting that uh, yeah I think that's the Star Trek phenomenon. That's it. Star Trek, Star Trek came on at nine o'clock at night when I was a kid. And, that's and so what it is. I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, you had to stay up for Star Trek <laughs> and then you can go to sleep at 10 or 11 oh. after Star Trek. I'm, that's the Star Trek phenomenon. I'm sure of that. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. Well, Katie, thank you for that question. Like 10 minutes ago, we've been jibber jabbering here. <laughs> And that's all the questions we have for this week. And then we're up to the iTunes review portion of the show. We have three great reviews here. Lisa in St. Simon says, words simply cannot describe how much I love this podcast. Thanks for all that y'all do. Oh, I love it. She's a Southerner. Y'all do to get the good word out to all the Ketonians and potential Ketonians out there. Thank you, Lisa. Michael says the combination of Jimmy Moore and Dr. Adam Nally is great. They keep reminding me that I'm not alone doing keto. No, sir, you are not. And then finally, Alice, this show with Jimmy's other show, The Fasting Talk, works so well together. At least for me, I'm doing both. Happy to see my A1C coming down and maintaining my weight. Thank you. 
Well, thank you guys for those wonderful reviews. And if you'd like to leave us a review at iTunes, definitely head on over to iTunes and you can type in Keto Talk. You can type in Jimmy Moore. You'll find the show, I promise you. And then leave us your review and we'll we'll say it on the air here in a few weeks. So. Well, uh, Adam, that's it for episode 55 of Keto Talk. Again, they can visit our website. It's ketotalk.com. And if you'd like to support our show uh, while you're at ketotalk.com, go ahead and click on the donate button or you can go to paypal.me slash ketotalk. And Adam, uh, I'll miss you this weekend. I'm in Breckenridge, Colorado for the Low Carb Breckenridge Conference, but uh, we'll have a lot of a lot of fun there. And uh, until next Thursday, we'll see you then. See you then. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, then head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Keto Talk. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.